0: lines we are back final segment final hour of today's episode of fault lines you can join us on the line 202-521-1320 you know garland we've talked a number of times before about i talked about the effect of george soros for instance and how we talked about this last segment again we're joined in the studio right now by jamal thomas you can find him on Twitter at The Prague Soapbox. And we've talked about this a lot in the show, Jamal. Um, we mentioned that there's really no anti, there's no organized anti-war left anymore. That's gone right now. Yep. I'm not saying there's not people. Code Pink springs to mind. Answer. There's some out there, some groups, but they don't. Have that, but but you're, you're not seeing the big organizing groups move on, for example. You're not seeing them out there. When you saw the March uh, for Our Lives, you're not seeing that equivalent. Like
1: uh, like prior to the Iraq
2: War, there was 30 million people or something. That's right. That's right. I I think that's because of the draft. Or do you think because of the draft? Like during the Vietnam War, you had this thing where people were being materially dragged into the war effort.
0: Let's talk about it. we got James Corbett joining us in the Corbett Report. and, And I've talked about before. I think a big factor is that George Soros is basically bought off the left. And this is a guy who funds a lot of left-wing causes and groups. Clearly, the ACLU and Southern Poverty Law Center, and so on. But he also funds the Atlanta Council, yeah. and therefore, what he's managed to do, in my opinion, is silence. Just because people know, well, I don't think it's just I think there's the NGOs everywhere. Well, we got James Corbett. What do well, you, N- you say N- that? You say that there's no comparison numerically, James. What's your take? on the way NGOs uh, work?
3: Well, that's a pretty big question. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Well, I (laughs) I think uh, what you gesture toward is absolutely uh, the case, that there has been uh, a diversion of much of the the, uh, traditional... Uh, at least the traditional rhetoric on the left about opposing wars wherever they be fought. And I think there are a number of different reasons for that, including, of course, we had uh, Prince of Peace Prize Obama in office uh, starting a lot of the wars that are now continuing to wage. So uh, they can't really, I mean, the, the left can't, uh, can't oppose it too vociferously now because they didn't oppose it a few years ago. Um, so I think there's a lot of different factors that play into it. But one of them is the operation of these... NGOs, these non-governmental organizations that operate in all corners of the globe and uh, I think are perhaps most interesting in certain uh, disputed corners of the globe, like in places like Syria, where, of course, the U.S. State Department has been funding the, the White Helmets, those crusading... Uh, first responders who are d- diving into uh, bomb zones to save little children, or at least that's what their uh, their PR would like you to believe. Uh, and the state the uh, Trump State Department just released six point six million dollars more aid to that group last Thursday. So that continues to roll on. And organizations like this. And that's
0: important to note because they'd said that they were, they were there was a rumor that they were stopping the funding. But you bring up something we've not mentioned in the show yet, James. And it's an important point. That funding is back to the tune of over $6 million, so great point.
3: And that's on top of uh, tens of millions that have come from various uh, uh, places, including the US and UK governments have been heavily funding that group. And And the interesting thing about a group like that is that under the cover of being these crusading first responders, they are in fact helping to facilitate the, uh, the dispersion of propaganda that actually helps uh, the case for more war. We need to strike Syria. We need to start going in bombs blazing because of this atrocity or that atrocity. And how do we know about these atrocities? well, solely through the White Helmets, because they are the only ones on the scene documenting the events, or so we are led to believe. So this is unfortunately... What, what,
1: what, what about, but what about the Syrian Observatory right. of Human Rights? Are you familiar <laughs> <laughs> with that guy?
3: Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> <All> right, that <laughs> guy who lives in an apartment somewhere in uh, England and, uh, yes, is one of the sole sources for a lot of uh, uh, information that's come out uh, from Syria since the, the entire thing started in 2011. And, yes, most people think of that as, oh, it sounds like some sort of big organization. No, it is a single man uh, operating out of his apartment in England uh, who is uh, directing all of these reports that are coming in from via valuable sources in Syria that uh, always and forever are talking about the horrible atrocities committed by the Syrian army against the uh, general public. And uh, unfortunately, this is where the mainstream media is sourcing a lot of its stories on Syria. And uh, if you read deeply into some of the more detailed newspaper reports, you'll find it buried in the 15th paragraph or something that, well, this is all sourcing from material that we don't don't have, we can't confirm, but uh, it's coming through the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights. So there are these types of organizations that, uh, under the cover of humanitarian causes, are now in fact actually really raising the banner of war
1: right and then um, they're the ones that the the other part of we call them NGOs right but then a lot of these there's there's government money flowing to them you know US AID which I call us you know CIA AID, much. you know <laughs> but you've got these other groups now, where you have money government money exactly what we just talked about yes. so now that, that that incestuous relationship has become even more they become even more entangled because what used to be you know they'd be getting money what well, say George Soros the MacArthur foundation whoever right now they can get it straight from the government because the government has gone to a lot, heavily
3: funding these NGOs. This is such an important point, And it's a point that a lot of people don't really uh, quite grasp. Even in my own comment section on, on my website, when I released my report about NGOs in the deep state, there was someone saying, well, you're talking about USAID, the Agency for in- uh, International Development, is it? Uh, which was founded in ni- in 1961 by an executive order. So it is a gov- US government created agency or the uh, National Endowment for Democracy, the NED was created by an act of Congress in 1983. So it is a government entity. So why are you talking about NGOs and talking about USAID and NED? It's because millions upon millions upon millions of dollars are funneled to all of these various NGOs through these U.S. government-created entities. So of course, you can call them NGOs, but if they're receiving their funding directly from the government or government-created agencies, what does that make them uh, other than arms of U.S. foreign policy? And of course, that's what we found time and time and time and time again throughout the world there are numerous examples one that i find particularly ludicrous was back uh, a few years ago when u.s aid helped fund the uh, the takeover of the underground cuban hip-hop scene uh to trying to spread uh basically propaganda against the government and uh and what they ultimately ended up doing was undermining what was an authentic underground hip-hop scene in Cuba, uh, but uh, because it was associated with USAID and it got discovered, they, they ended up kicking out a bunch of people and and uh, arresting others. So it basically undermined the point, entire thing.
0: It's a great point, James. And they just in The Hague, by the way, we're breaking news. In that attempt, the U.S. smuggling vanilla ice into Cuba has been declared a war crime, Garland. <laughs> <laughs> That's apparently the way they did so. it. I can't say... Usually I'm opposed to the death penalty, but that's a crime against
2: humanity right there. Vanilla Ice, I don't know. I just <laughs> you know, the, the one of the other things that the um, government did that was exposed was trying to create a Twitter in Cuba to foment a revolution. <laughs> right. Did you see this? They, they were one of the things that were um they, by, the the way, by, was, by the way,
0: by the way, we have a broad breaking news by the way. Lyrics I getting lyrics from Vanilla Ice's incursion into Cuba. He changed the lyric stop collaborate and listen to just stop collaborate. <laughs> and that's it. That's yeah, yeah. the only thing he said.
3: So, uh yes, uh, the oh, social sorry, media I network. No, no but you're, no, you're you you raise a good point. There's no. a, an entire social media network that the US government uh, uh through USAID secretly created in Cuba for the express purpose right. of undermining no. the Castro government.
1: Yeah, and meanwhile, you know, I had someone the other day talking to me about, yeah, Mother Jones, you know, it's gone oh, to old pro-war, and it's terrible. I don't understand Mother Jones. Mother Jones was bought out by the MacArthur Foundation. The MacArthur Foundation controls. This is a this is a nonprofit. profit. Yeah. they control six point two billion dollars in assets Non-profit. they bought uh, mother jones they put david corn who just put that ridiculous Hush, uh, uh russiagate book out with it's a cop or whatever and 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 so basically what you have them doing is you have so-called ngos that have so much money that they have more money than some some Country. countries in, in an individual ngo and they're spending propaganda and and uh, all over the place are you familiar with that with that with 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 uh, the racket. Yeah, uh, yeah uh uh james
3: Yes, well, absolutely. When you when you factor in the nonprofit organizations, the uh, the family philanthropic foundations, quote unquote, as well as the the non governmental organizations, uh, these are a stew of of organizations that create uh, literally troughs of billions uh, between the billions of dollars to direct. Societal change on a number of levels, and it can be to accomplish foreign policy goals in a geostrategic sense like we think of like undermining a foreign government. It can also be things like the promotion of uh, of GMO uh, technologies and things around the world as we 've seen through the Rockefeller Foundation and others uh, for for grander uh, uh, business uh, uh, agendas as well as uh, um, ultimately control of the food supply uh, this is this is part of what we, the, the Pentagon refers to as as uh, a full spectrum dominance it's war that's taking place on every level of society, and it's being done through philanthropic means. They're giving money away. What could be wrong with that? But of course, through that money, they are, of course, directing the ways that entire industries or entire uh, countries are developing.
0: Well, they needed the budget. For instance, Garland, one of the things they developed when the CIA took over the underground hip-hop scene in Cuba... Was a mixtape that self-destructs after thirty seconds. Right. <laughs> so, and another one that blows up and kills you after thirty seconds. Exactly right. When they say their song is blowing up, yeah, they, <laughs> they mean their song is literally blowing up. That's what they mean. So it's very disturbing. When I say it's very disturbing, I mean my jokes. Now, <laughs> we're by James Corbett for the Corbett Report. James, but seriously, you know, you talk about the the means that the uh, that the elites used to keep power. I got to say, this goes back. To the late 1800s, this goes back to the Cecil Rhodes era, where these secret societies, which is Rhodes' term, were put together and they would use it's a combination of the government, the media, and philanthropy. So, philanthropy has always been a tool by which the elites, under the guise of like helping people, and I'm not saying that they don't help anybody, Bill Gates, Bill and Melinda Gates, for instance. They've helped people with water and stuff. I'm not saying they don't do anything. Even so, not everything Soros has done ever is bad.
3: No, you're sort of. exactly right. Well, that's that's an important <laughs> point to make because unfortunately this can be so easily uh, dismissed by people. Oh, you're you're just saying all aid is bad and look, at this this program did so much good here. Well, of course 99% of the programs that are run have to be run by people who genuinely believe in what they're doing and are trying to do a good job and in many cases are succeeding in that so that the 1% that are these poison pills can work more effectively. Of course it's strategic and targeted operations that are uh, run under under this bigger cover, this bigger umbrella of things that are mostly good for a lot of people. And that's how it's so effective in, in terms of a, a psychological operation tactic.
1: It's funny what you're saying, because that reflects really, you know, if you understand, if you look at the history of the CIA, they were described very early as a bunch of rich, rich kids with a lot of money. The, the fact of the matter is one of the thing, big things that the CIA does is hand out cold, hard, Gash. They go to Afghanistan and they find warlords and they give them bags of money. They go find somebody to tell them something. They give you bags of money. One of the things they do is go around and hand out money, you know, to get people to say what they want them to say or to get information or to, or to gain control. And I think these NGOs, it's just to me, it's just a
3: different mechanism to do the same thing. That's exactly right. And in fact, that's been explicitly said about the NED, the National Endowment for Democracy, that uh, it was in the Washington Post that uh, Alan Weinstein, one of the members of the study group that led to the founding of the NED, bragged in the Washington Post, quote, a lot of what we do today was done covertly 25 years ago by the CIA. So literally, the NED is just being used as the actual overt form of what the CIA used to do, which is funding opposition groups in, in geostrategic locations and things that will work to uh, accomplish foreign policy goals. But now it's done out in the open, so I guess you can't really accuse them of secrecy when they're doing it that way.
0: And we also, by the way, James, we're also just learning now that the group that the CIA used when they took over the underground hip-hop scene was called Public Friend with Chuck (laughs) D-List, interestingly enough. (laughs) So, So... Absolutely. It's a good thing it's the last segment of the show, because I would keep going. Right. <laughs> I would just keep going. Now, Judge, let me just say this, because this is something that comes up, and I hear from, this from people on the left all the time. They try to make an equivalent. When I bring up Soros, they try to go, well, the Koch brothers, and I say, I swear to God, there is new. it is qualitatively different, and I'm not saying that because I like or agree with the Koch brothers, because I don't a- agree with them on a number of issues, but when it comes to their involvement, and in, in, in especially these think tanks that are the really toxic ones to me, are these international think tanks like the Atlantic Council. And there's just no comparison with the amount of money Soros has put in internationally to the amount of money the Kochs have put in uh, internationally. It's not, even, it's, it's not even close. What have you found as you've investigated this, uh, James? Am I wrong or—
3: well, I mean, I think you are correct in terms of the foreign policy objectives of something like uh, uh, someone like Soros, who is obviously, you know, Hungarian and has his uh, interests and roots in Europe and, and in uh, dealing with situations off, 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 quite a bit in Eastern Europe, of course, as we've seen with Ukraine and things like this. So he is more internationally involved and has been since the uh, the birth of his career. And he's uh, given quotes about saying that this is part of his ultimate vision. And of course, he's following the the open society idea. So I think there's that that's a lot more explicit, and there's there's a lot of resources that have gone into that. But of course, as always, there's the risk of making it into a single bug bugaboo. If you just got rid of Soros, then everything would be better. Where of course this is no, more. Uh, percent agree with that yes this is, yeah this is more ideological and there are there are um players on all different sides of the the political spectrum quote-unquote in this but i don't think it really applies at that level where we're talking about the, the the manipulation of entire societies i think this kind of transcends the the left-right partisan bickering that that goes on and uh you can you can see that i think perhaps most clearly in in the re- republican quote-unquote rockefellers whatever that means i mean what were they really right. or but still i mean they were there Rockefeller Republicans, right? I mean, it doesn't really matter what side of the aisle they're on. It depends. It really matters what they're doing and, and how they're funding it.
0: Yeah, you know, and historically, the Republicans like David Rockefeller, for instance, who one of the big, a big player behind, for instance, Council on Foreign Relations, uh, a big player there. But Soros right now, to me, and again, I, I say this, by the way, I, in defense of people on the left, he's a hedge fund manager, for God's sake. What were you expecting? But, like, did you think I'm just saying that that he's clearly a very capitalist guy in a lot of ways. Right. So he's managed to, I think, fool a lot of people by simply writing big checks and nobody. And he doesn't have to say to him, hey, stay in your lane. Well, I think one of the things I think about is when I
1: read Julian Assange had a great article, you know, uh, uh, that, that basically said, if I remember correctly, Google's not what you think it is. And he talked about the people who run Google saying that they felt that Google should be an extension of U.S. foreign policy, so much so now that even these major corporations, there is this—I can't keep using this term, but it's appropriate—this incestuous relationship between, say, the State Department, Google, the nonprofit organizations that they—and so you get to the point where there's this one blob, and it's almost like the 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 nonprofits are the money laundering end of it so they can do all of this other stuff behind the scenes and then they can launder the 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 policies and launder the money through the nonprofit organizations so that their hands, uh, you know, ostensibly come up looking clean,
2: even though they're not. What's the book Perkins? Um, uh, it's not Wars of Racket. It's another one where Perkins was talking about going to these people and giving them cash and giving them money you know, and found that this was more effective tool from the standpoint of politics as opposed to actually wars and everything else. Um, It's not Words of Racket. There's, there's another name to the book. I can't think of the name uh, of the book. I know okay. exactly
3: what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Uh, but I forget it's, the, the name of the book. The guy's name is Perkins. Uh, uh, several, uh, economic like, man. Confessions of an Economic yeah, that's man. Confessions of
2: an Economic man. Yeah, that's it. Uh, it's fascinating because it goes into what you guys are saying where I go with a bag of money. They either take the money and have a very happy life even though we're going to have a repressive regime where we just get our hands on resources or, you know, other people, the jackals, you know, end up coming into the place. Well, guess that money is also used for, like, Libya, creating these kind of protests and all this other stuff, whooping up the system.
1: We and, know right now that we know in Ukraine that these, NG, this, these NGOs, these protests that that, that, that the, the 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 U.S. government was funding them in Iran. They're talking about it now in Venezuela. Right now, we're doing the same thing in countries to try to fund protests through NGOs for government. Uh, 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 issues. Have you have you followed up on any of that? Well, James, we only have about 30 seconds 30 left. Seconds. So, oh my yeah, so tell
3: people, where, where can they find your stuff, James? Uh, CorbettReport.com is the place to go. And uh, if you're interested in this subject, I just did a podcast called NGOs Are the Deep States Trojan Horses. So just type that into a search engine and uh, enjoy, I suppose. This is not the right word, but you know what I mean.
0: Really, James, really super important topic. Great stuff. And thanks for sticking through all my stupid jokes. Appreciate <laughs> it. We've got to get back on again. I know James on vacation. Jamal recently. Thomas
1: we've also got the, which is, is uh, the progressive soapbox on uh,
0: the The prog soapbox on Twitter is where you can find Jamal and you gotta come back on again sometime. Absolutely. This stuff, is awesome.